Welcome back to another edition of the Penn State 365 podcast. I'm Richie Schneider, publisher of PennState.Rivals.com, joined by Dylan Callahan Crawley. Am I pronouncing that right? I never even asked you that. Uh, it... Crowley? Crawley? Crowley. Crowley? I, I never asked you that. It's all man. good. But uh, Dylan's our senior editor on the website. Um, so first and foremost, we, we got to break down this insane comeback uh, over Northwestern. 16-point deficit in the second half. And I don't even, I don't even know what happened. I just I blinked, and all of a sudden, it's just they chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and here we are with a Penn State victory and potential tournament talk. But uh, first and foremost, let's talk about this game. Yeah, I mean, what a what a game for Penn State uh, on Sunday afternoon. This is a, obviously a must win for them if they wanted to make the if they want to make the NCAA tournament. Still not official, as we all know. It's gonna it's gonna be close. It seems still a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have them in the tournament, but there's also a lot of people out there who still have them looking on the outside in, which makes you think they at least need to win one game here in the Big Ten tournament to probably solidify those chances. But uh, to Thursday's game against Illinois in the Big Ten tournament doesn't really matter as much if they don't win on Sunday against Maryland. And uh, give them credit, Maryland would not go away sorry, would not give up this lead in this game until late. Penn State would not go away. They would keep chipping away, like you said. And it wasn't until, I think, what, around the seven-minute mark left in the second half that Penn State really started making that run uh, for the win. But to be down double digits for a second straight game with your season on the line, uh, it, it tells you a lot about what, Micah Shrewsbury has instilled into his program, the culture he's instilled into it, and what what this team's makeup really is. We've seen them all year. We know what they are. They've had their ups and downs. But these last two wins have been arguably their most impressive wins of the season considering what everything that's been on the table these last two games, what they've meant. And in both games, they've come back from double digits to win on uh, – basically buzzer beaters it's just uh two great wins for this program back to back and really building momentum into this big 10 tournament where i think they're going to have a chance to make some noise illinois is the team they've beaten twice they could definitely beat them again northwestern is a beatable team uh, albeit a very good one but beatable uh if penn state made a run to the semifinals in this tournament i, I wouldn't be overly surprised yeah, so I mean, just going back to Northwestern game real quick. We Cam Winter, yeah, man, this guy is just in the right place at the right time, and just ends up getting a that re. If you watched a replay, like I watched it so many times, uh, number one, Seth Lundy, um, open shot. You you wish he would have hit yeah. it, but whatever, he missed it. Still followed the shot, and there was four defenders in the paint for um for Northwestern that should have all had that ball. It seemed like, yeah. And it just bounced through the bounce to Cam Winter, and Cam Winter gets it, just puts it up, and a little tip in, and it, oh yeah, insane. Yeah, on the, yeah, the Maryland game, uh, yeah. But on the Northwestern game, uh, the the big play on the game winner there was uh, Evan. I'm gonna mispronounce his last name because we just don't. No, but vice versa, right? We're talking Maryland now. Well, yeah. this game, this game was the tip in. The yeah, one before yeah. was Cam. It yeah. was the tip. Okay, with Cam Winters. Because uh, Cam Winters also, of course, had the game winner against Northwest. Mm -hmm. uh, but in that game, since we didn't get to talk about it, Evan Mahaffey, uh, you know, for a freshman, uh, he didn't have a big game. He's only been averaging three points a game this season. 
But to have the ability to go up, get that loose ball with plenty of Wildcats around him, and then have the calmness and awareness to make a great pass out to the point, which eventually found its way to Cam Winters for a three, that was just a mm-hmm. phenomenal play by Evan Mahaffey there. And something you love to see if you're uh, Michael Shrewsbury, because he's going to be a key part of your program going forward. But then, yes, on Sunday against Maryland, Cam Winters uh, to battle for that rebound, get it, go back up and tip it in. Just uh, Again, another fantastic uh, just awareness uh, and knowing the situation for him there and then having the ability to uh, do it calmly, but also uh, in – you know, he had, he didn't have much time. He had to rush it to a degree there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't had, I think, the impact that some people thought he would have coming into the season. Some people pegged him as their top transfer portal uh, guy this past offseason. I think Andrew Funk has possibly had an, a better season. But Winter has had multiple big plays like the, he has had the last two games. And these are why they've brought him in. He has... Uh, the ability to be a game changer late in games. And he's done that the last two games when Penn State's needing the most. Yeah, that, that's my fault before I was uh, mixing up both game winners. Um, it, <laughs> there's so many recently, it's hard to keep track. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the other thing I, I kind of want to touch on uh, a little bit. Everyone keeps talking about how this team's so old. It's the oldest team in college basketball. Next year, they're just going to falter. And I'm like, no, like, did you see what Mahaffey just, or Mahaffey, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Mahaffey, Mahaffey, I don't know how to say it. But uh, did you see what Evan M. did the other day? Yes. Um, he's good. Kanye Clary's playing significant minutes. Um, your starting center in Njai is is a true freshman. Like, you guys, there's going to be weapons. And you act like they're not going to hit the portal again. They're going to hit the yeah. portal. Like, it's it's clear as day. Like you're. It's going to be tough next season, uh, I think, especially early on. But if they can, mm-hmm. if they can next season get through the non-conference portion of our schedule um relatively strong um mm-hmm. th- they should de- they should definitely um be able to uh make some noise in big 10 play once they get their legs under them get some you know um uh, what, what's the word i'm thinking of uh was when they start to mesh together I, I think they'll be able mm-hmm. to make some noise in big 10 play next year but it, yeah it'll be tough but um I, I think being able to uh, make a little bit of a run here in the Big Ten tournament, maybe get to the NCAA tournament, is going to also be big for that going into next year. Give these guys a little longer to gel, get these younger guys some big game experience, even not mm-hmm. a ton of it. That that's going to pay off big next year. Yeah, and uh, we didn't even talk about uh, Miles Dread, who a phenomenal game for the first time in a long time. Uh, yeah. Offensively, I mean, eleven points, four of nine, three of three of seven from three of seven from three. Yeah, and he he hasn't scored like really at all. Like he scored six points in the one, two, three, four, four the past five games before the Maryland game, and then lights it up. So it, it just goes to show you, like they, these guys. Like I know Jalen Pickett's the guy; he's always going to put up double digits, probably. But anyone else can step up. Funk stepped up this game. Cameron Winter stepped up the game before. Yeah. Uh, Miles Dredd stepped up this game. Like that's why they're so dangerous. You can lock up one, and two others might shit on you. Like and, it's insane. And it's great for Miles Dredd, a guy who's obviously at Penn State forever. Now. Uh, mm-hmm. Closes in on like 150 career games as an any line, and to go out like he did in this game, 
against the Illini to have such a big effort, especially in that second half comeback. Great way for him to finish his career at the Bryce Jordan Center. Uh, you know, he's been here for five years now. Um, had a chance to be in the NCAA tournament uh, back in 20. 20- would have had a chance to be in the NCAA tournament back in the 2019-2020 season before it got shut down mm-hmm. due to the pandemic. Got that opportunity ripped away from him. Next season wasn't what they wanted, but now they have a chance here uh, to get to the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, if there's anybody who de- who deserves it on this team, it's definitely uh, Miles Dredd and um, definitely a, a feel-good moment for him and the team as a whole, and the program as a whole, I should say. Um if they do in fact get to the NCAA tournament, because uh, he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot of ups and downs. And um, like we said, he had that opportunity ripped away from him before. So, Yeah. And now speaking of NCAA tournament, I'm looking right now. There's, they have a very good resume. They do. Now, now like, what, what is it right now? 11, no, nine and 11 between quad one and quad two. Yes. And then four and one in quad three. That one yep. quad three and, and is a killer. Quad, quad four. No, quad three now. It moved up. One in quad three. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, 6-0 in quad four, and it's just... So, I mean, you look at the two, uh, yeah, 9-11 in the first two quads, and then 10 in the last mm. two quads. It's a good resume. They beat who they should have beat this year, albeit the one game they did lose this year that um, they most definitely shouldn't have, uh, and that was against... Um, uh, who was that against earlier this year? The quad three, or yeah. which one are you talking about? The quad three is technically Wisconsin, but Wisconsin, right. uh, it's I, it's like right there, I, like it's so close to being quad two. Yeah, I always, I always, in my mind, forget the cutoffs of the quad. Mm-hmm. But they beat who they should have beat this year. Yes, they should have beat Wisconsin. That's not a very good Wisconsin team. Um, and then against the teams that they needed to be competitive against this year, they were competitive and picking up nine wins out of those 20 opportunities is impressive. This is a very tough conference. A lot of those came in conference play. And then even outside of conference, they they had a tough, a, not a tough non-conference schedule, but they had a challenging non-conference schedule, which they did take care of business in for the most part. Clemson is a team that should make the NCAA tournament. Uh, Virginia Tech is, uh, I guess, one of those borderline teams now at 18 and 13. Furman, I'm not sure if, they won their conference tournament just yet. Not yet, but they're still in yeah. it, I know. But Furman should make it. So, I mean, they had a challenging non-conference schedule they took care of. And then in Big Ten play, they did, I think, as probably as well as anybody could have imagined uh, this season uh, at a 10 and 10. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because there are a couple losses that like they, they just shouldn't have. Uh, we could talk about the Rutgers one that they – they blew that giant 18 point lead. There was the Virginia tech one at the beginning of the season where they only, which came down to, I think it was a game winning shot by Virginia. Yeah. Tech, if I recall. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin twice. Like there's, you gotta I, beat one of them. Once. There's a lot of closes, close losses here on their resume. Mm-hmm. As well, yeah. And, and you can't say, yeah. And if things go right, they may only be, you know, a, a four loss team or whatever, or what, sorry. Um, uh, a like yeah, twenty four and eight team or something, but yeah. uh, even if they were able to pick up two more of those wins, they're a walk to make the tournament at this point. That's not how it mm-hmm. breaks, obviously. But uh, a lot of a, a lot of competitive games against a lot of very good teams. Their strength of schedule this year was forty fourth in the country 
in the regular season. Uh, non-conference was 211, but there there were some very good non-conference opponents mixing with you know some cupcakes mm-hmm. there. Um, but I, I I think their resume is as strong as they you probably could have asked for, uh, considering what they were coming to this season. Uh, and they finished strong, uh, winning five of their last six. Obviously, you want that game against Rutgers. You can't blow a 19-point lead like they did. Uh, but to bounce back the way they did against Northwestern and Maryland, uh, absolutely great way to end the season and uh, puts them on the cusp of the tournament. I think, I think in my mind, they're pretty close to being a lock. But if they could go out and beat Illinois now, uh, I think you're most definitely a lock, uh, at least for the first four games. Uh and possibly uh, even avoiding those first four games. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. The committee takes into effect of how you play recently as well. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big major thing, and the fact that they're 5-1 and or five and one in their last six, and you could argue they were almost 6-0. I know you can't look at it that way a little bit, but the committee's going to look at that and be like, holy shit, like, this Penn State team like went on a crazy run. Like, yeah. We got to find a place for him. And, like. and to even emphasize how crazy of a run it's been, I, I like to use teamrankings.com a lot. Just great place to get. Oh. Um, they have a bracketology uh, uh, predictor, you could say. And mm-hmm. last week, Penn State was at 19.2% to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, yesterday before the game, they're at 26.7. And now today, uh, on Monday, they're at 53.4, which if that doesn't tell you how crazy of a run it's been for them, but also, um, for everybody else outside of. Oh, I think I lost you for a sec there, Dylan. Got a phone call here quickly. Oh no, no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that. So, like you said, they have a. You said fifty percent shot. That's it's pretty high. I mean, they have a really good shot of making it. I know. Looking at bracket matrix right now, they have uh, what is it? Twenty eight, I believe it is. Yeah. Twenty twenty. Oh no, twenty three of the sixty eight uh, tournament bracket or the bracketologists have Penn State making it. Uh, most of them have it as eleven seed. There's a couple with a twelve seed. Um, it seems like most are just kind of counting them as a first four team. Now, beat Illinois on, what is it, Thursday at 6.30 p.m., and it's like you're probably 100% in, and you might be able to avoid that completely, Like, and you don't even have to deal with the first four anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that if you can get – and this Illinois team, like as good as they are, like they're very beatable. Penn State's dist- not – well, kind of destroyed them once, and – uh, the second game, they they beat them pretty handily. They scored fifty three in the first half against Illinois last yeah, that- time. Like, I know it's a that's a home game, and it's a little different now. And playing in the United Center, you're probably going to get a significant Illinois fan base. Yeah, absolutely. But I I mean, you, you kind of killed them on their own home court. It's seventy four fifty nine back in what was this? I don't even remember. It was early season. Uh, it was did- like one of those first Big Ten games they was. play. Uh yeah, I I don't know exactly what the date was, but it was like I think it was December. The first game in Illinois March. was December was uh, early December, I think December tenth, because then they Valentine's yeah. Day in Happy Birthday, and that mm-hmm. was that was the yes. crazy shootout that was ninety three eighty something mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, so I I really think they're in. I uh, I don't know. 
I'm not a bracketologist, so I can't say, but I really think that they're at least first four yeah, at the very minimum. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I, I would have them pegged right now at the very minimum. If you look at team rankings right now, they're projected NCAA tournament seed. Um, well, they're percent F at 3.4. Their projected seed is uh, right now an 11 seed, but right behind it is a 10 seed. And if they can avoid that 11 seed, those first four, it's still the NCAA tournament, but you really want to get into that round of 64 first. You don't want to worry about those first four games. Get get into, mm-hmm. I don't want to call it the actual tournament, but it, it would have a little bit more of a, you know, a true we made the NCAA tournament feeling. Uh, I think especially for fans. Yeah, I know everyone says like the first four, or some people I should say, the first four you're not in, but no, you're in 100%. That's part of the sure. the bracket, 68 teams. like, um, And like you said before, they, they, they make these runs that they just go on. Like I know to start the season, what were they, like 7-1 and one, I yeah, think they, it was? Or they went 9-2 and and during their non-conference. There you go, yeah. So I mean, they they go nine and two, then they struggle in Big Ten, and then they bounce back to go five and one. And it's like this team just goes on runs. I think it's obvious, and they live and die by the three ball. That's not going to change. Yeah. But that that three ball is today's game. Yeah. Like it's very dead. It's very deadly. And when they're on, they're they're on big time. Like they're putting up ninety points against a a ranked yeah. Illinois team. And it's like, all right, well, shit. Like then they they, they destroy Michigan by twenty two. They like. This this team, when they catch fire, could yeah, go off. And I agree. And just to even talk, go back quickly, just with if they were able to win one in uh, in uh, Chicago this week. Overall, the, when you win 20 games, uh, Team Rankin said the NSA bid chance is 71.9%. So if, if they can win one more game here, it, it is all but a lock. If they win two more games, that's up to 90%. Uh, and then beyond that, it's obviously – a legitimate lock. Um, but yeah, if they make the NCAA tournament, this is a team, and that's why I'm saying I wouldn't be shocked if they make a run to the semifinals in the Big Ten tournament. When this team gets hot, they are extremely dangerous, uh, especially with their three-point shooting. If it's an off night, it's going to be extremely tough for them to win, yes. But um, when they get the hot hand, they usually stay hot for a while. Now, they've won five of the last six. Uh, I think you could say though that Rutgers win did take sorry Rutgers loss did probably take a little bit out of their sales and now they got really uh, two impressive wins back to back close ones uh, a lot of adrenaline a lot of emotions you have to wonder if there's going to be kind of an emotional letdown but at the same time you're in the Big Ten tournament now you're playing for a conference championship I don't think that's going to be a factor in this one uh, this upcoming Thursday but. Um, I think that Rutgers loss may have reset a little bit of things when it comes to building momentum, and now they're getting that momentum back here. Uh, it could be an impressive run, and then with the tournaments also, of course, who your luck of who you get to play because uh, you can be a you know a ten seed and get one of the easier uh, what would that be the uh, number six seed. Um, you get mm-hmm. get a easier six seed, or you get the toughest six seed, uh, depending on how things go. So uh, definitely, think they can make a run, but they'll need some luck to go their way. Yeah, and the Big Ten's wide open. Yeah. Like it, it, and this happens every year. It seems like, and like even last year, Indiana was a nine seed playing five seed Iowa in the semifinals versus, and uh, the winner of that played the winner of 
Michigan State seven seed and Purdue three seed. Like it's it's very possible for them to make this run. And not to mention they beat Illinois twice. They they played really tight versus Northwestern. They could beat them. They beat the shit out of Indiana recently. Um, they just beat yeah. Maryland. And the other two in that side of the bracket, I, I, Nebraska's, Nebraska's on a little streak, so I would probably wouldn't want to see them. But Minnesota's probably the worst team, and I don't know if they're going to win a game. So they, they, the way the bracket's set up, they have a really, really good shot of making a run if they can get past yeah, Illinois and, first. Yeah, looking at that, you know, I, I was saying semifinals, but – a tr- a run to the Big Ten finals isn't out of the qu- isn't out of the question. Now it would be extremely tough to win that Big Ten final if you play a Purdue, a Michigan State, um, even Michigan's or, on lately. Or even like Michigan. Um, and Iowa's always tough too. Um, but on their portion of the bracket, Penn State could beat any of those teams any given day. Uh, no doubt in my mind. Uh, like you said. Yeah, and if you had to ask me to pick a team to win this right now, I honestly could not tell you who the hell is going to do it. This conference yeah. is madness. I hate it, and I love it yeah, at the I same mean, I time. I think pick, of course, is Purdue, but I I can see Michigan State. I can see Michigan. I could see uh, and, and Indiana, yeah, maybe. I, uh, you could, I think you could re- realistically see any of the top six seeds make a run. Um, now Maryland is not very good away from College Park, so we'll see what what they do here. But if Maryland brings their A game, Maryland's as good as anybody in this conference. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think really anybody in the top six could make a reasonable run, and then beyond that, yeah, sure, there's a chance Penn State can make a run or an Illinois or Michigan. Yeah, and I, I know like we just submitted our predictions recently too for all Big Ten teams. And I'm kind of mad I submitted it before that last game. I should have waited until, like, those last games on Sunday because I think you could – I know he's not going to win it because Painter's been yeah. very good. Um, who who else was up there? Uh, Juwan Howard sucks. I, I actually – I picked – I ended up picking um, – who did I end up picking? I ended up picking Kevin Willard, and I regret it now because I think Micah Shrewsbury could have had a – an argument to be in I, that top coaches I, category. He's had a hell of a year. I 100% agree. He's, he's had a tremendous year. And there's a lot of people who are down him when they're going through that little bit of a struggle in January. Our entire yeah, In board. January and February <laughs> about if he's, if he, like, he's obviously a good coach, but is he a great coach? Um, and there's a lot of people down during that, those struggles. But over the last uh, two weeks, three weeks here, He's proven that he is a great coach. He, he has got rallied this team together. They had to make a strong run if they wanted to have any chance of making the tournament. And now they're right on the cusp of doing so. And that's a lot of credit to him. And like I said, a lot of the credit to the culture that he's instilled in this program. Uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be tough to keep him around. Maybe they get one more year, but uh, if they're going to keep him around. They're going to have to pony up the money here in the upcoming uh, months. Uh, so that'll be something to watch even after the season concludes. Yeah. And well, the good news is I want to kind of divert to recruiting a little bit. You have a dominant ass big man coming in and carry booth. Uh, obviously carry booth, son of uh, Calvin booth, former Penn hey, State alum that Dan Denver nuggets, yep. GM president, whatever the hell it is. He's, in he, charge he's of something uh, very there. high up in the Denver. Yes. And breeze. He basically runs yeah. the team. It seems like, um, Braden Shrewsbury sounds familiar, right? Weird um, is coming in, so that's that's a good thing too. I know with the transfer portal nowadays, kids can just leave whenever they want. 
but he's been in state college. He went to state college uh, high school. So he's, he's very familiar with the area. He has friends in the area. So that, that's also going to play a significant factor there. And Logan Himes, no one's yeah. talking about. The kid can shoot the lights yeah. out of the ball. Like, he's a very good player. Um, I know we only have him ranked as a three-star, but, like, these are the guys that, like, for example, just looking at his offer list, these are the guys that Butler and Creighton and others, like, and Drake, they get these shooters, these knockdown shooters, and everyone's like, where the hell did that kid come from? Where the hell? This is going to be a good play. Drake goes, you know, State. like 27 and 7, and people are, are surprised when they see them in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, it may not be the, you know, the best offer list, but uh, those programs, like you said, tend to have an eye for talent and go out and get these type of guys. And I think this could end up being one of the more impactful wins of the uh, Michael Shrewsbury era on the recruiting trail if he can step into that role for Penn State uh, down the road and uh, give them a reliable, uh, you know, three-point shooter going forward. And and we didn't even talk about um, who they might land in 2024. Royce Parham was just yep. on campus recently, and he's number 63 in our rankings, four-star. Um, his his mom is Kim Calhoun, who's the all-time box leader in Penn State women's basketball history. So, I mean, if you – hell, just recruit the legacy kids. You don't even need anyone else. Uh, it sounds like they're leading for him. Yeah, so it's they're... like – you got to keep him around. you got to pay him whatever Absolutely. he wants, to be honest, at this point. Yeah. So I wouldn't be. Sh- this is a big uh, point in Penn State basketball history, uh, and it's going to be one of the early. No matter what happens, if Shrewsbury stays or Shrewsbury Shrewsbury leaves, this is a big time for Pat Kraft because he's either going to have to find a way to pony up the money and Shrewsbury around, mm-hmm. or he's going to have to go out and make a home run hire because. Penn State's building a lot of momentum on the hardwood for the first time in a long time. And if they can keep this going and continue to build up on it, uh, there's no reason Penn State basketball cannot be a Big Ten team that makes the NCAA tournament on a, if not an annual basis, a you know, every every other season. Yeah, and that's that's all you can really ask for now. It sounds like I'm just going based off scuttlebutt here. Sounds like he makes somewhere around the two mil mark, maybe a little okay. under that. And that, that, that that's a significant yeah. upgrade for Penn State, considering Chambers only made a little yeah. over a mil, and Chambers had him had him going Absolutely. pretty good. Um, so I mean that's significant, and I wouldn't be surprised if we heard like after this season. I don't think you do it now. I wouldn't be surprised if Kraft kind of started to negotiate a contract extension. Maybe it's an extra year just a little money boost down the line. Maybe it's even just more incentives. Like, Hey, I know they are, it's already in the contract somewhere. I forget what the amount is. It's you get this much for making the tournament, this much for making sure. final four, sweet 16, blah, blah, blah. I think you just add something else to that and maybe just double those numbers. Yeah. I'll, I'll be intrigued really how they go about it possibly. Uh, but those are definitely some strong ideas out of you there about what it could potentially look like going forward there. But uh, it, it definitely, this, uh, summer uh, should be at the top of mm-hmm. Pat Graf's, uh to-do list. Yeah, of course, between that, between uh, upgrading Beaver Stadium, <laughs> there, yeah. there's a lot of things but going football on. Football programs always, you know, looking to upgrade these, of course, or, you know, just looking for more money in general for various uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, Lash just got a nice little upgrade, it looks like, if you saw the photos on our site. Um, so we'll see what's next for uh, 
for Penn State, but switching to football real quick, I just want to dive yep. into this. So uh, tell me about the D-line uh, assistant coaching opening. I know there was a rumored candidate, but it sounds like he's kind of already gone. Yeah, so there was a rumored candidate here as uh, Penn State was in the last few days. Over the weekend, it was reported by um, – blanking on the name of the guy from Football Scoop. But it was uh, reported by Zach Barnett that Justin Hines, who's the Chicago Bears defensive line coach, was going to uh, – was being targeted to be Penn State's next – defensive line coach. Uh, but uh, I believe either late Sunday or early Monday, uh, Football Scoop uh, reported that Justin Hines is planning to remain with Chicago Bears. Sounds like he may have gotten an increase in pay with it. Um, so Penn State's, you know, going to move on to their next candidate. Uh, it said in the original report over the weekend that a decision was expected this upcoming week. Uh, I would assume that timeline probably remains the same for Penn State in general. They're going to want to get this done mm-hmm. sooner than later. They did not host any kids on campus this past weekend, uh, but there are going to be visits mm-hmm. coming up soon. So you're going to want to have uh, that in place for uh, these upcoming visits. Uh, I mean, Jordan Thomas is, is has a visit coming up. That's a big name for them on the, in the 2024 recruiting class on the defensive line. Uh, so, Definitely needed to have a name in place by then. And I'm trying to remember off the top of my head when he's making his uh, visit to campus. He'll be on the 18th with a bunch of other uh, Jersey guys. It sounds like they're trying to get like the whole uh, Jersey class up at the, uh, at that same time, which, which kind of makes sense. You get all those guys together and then you kind of pitch the idea like, Hey, like I know you guys are all from Jersey. Why don't you all come together, play together? And then we can make this work. So, at Penn so you're State, looking so. at that's still 12 days away, but I, I think we see a higher probably by the end of the week, uh, based off of football scoop mm-hmm. said there with how hot there was expect decision this couple upcoming week. Now, where does it go from here? That's a great question. We're we're, we're going to be completely honest. When Penn State makes these higher these coaching searches, it is a very close knit circle of people who have the inside information, and James Franklin does. Make sure that that does not get leaked anywhere. The only reason this probably got out was because there was an NFL guy, and NFL guys are willing mm-hmm. to talk, especially coming off the combine. Uh, now, I think Deion Barnes remains a legitimate candidate. There's going to be some concern there, of course, with is he a guy who you can expect to step into that role right away and have the defense compete and at a Big Ten championship level, defense line compete at a Big Ten championship level? Well, remain to Remains to be seen. Uh, Jess Simpson down at Duke, maybe a name to pay attention to. He has ties to Manny Diaz. Hasn't been much scuttlebutt on Elijah Robinson. Probably could cross his name off the list. That that was always a long shot, um, and remains so. So it, it really it really is hard to see where Penn State may, all who Penn State may ultimately land, just because, like I said, Franklin is making sure these coaching hires are a steel trap with no information getting out. Um, we may be able to get all the information recruited wise, but some things they make sure they don't let out. And uh, that's understandably. So James Franklin is a very private head coach when it comes to these things. He's private with injuries. He's private with his coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to not continue to fight uh, our way, trying to get some scoops here. So be sure to yeah. we are hearing some little tidbits of information, but it's it's hard to say right now where exactly this is headed next. 
So, so let me ask you this before we uh, sign off here. Who do you think should be the next D-line coach? That's, that's a good question. I, I think I, I see why Dion Barnes would make sense, but my, but my concern with a hiring of Barnes would be that lack of experience and asking him to step in right away to be a defensive line coach at a power five level, competing for a big 10 championship, maybe national championship. If you do that, you're going to have to make a great hire for a defensive analyst who has defensive line experience. Mm -hmm. Jess Simpson, I think, makes sense because of Manny Diaz uh, connection, but overlay wouldn't Mm -hmm. be, you know, an overwhelming hire. Um, So that's a really tough question. I, I think going with Dan Barnes is risky, but. I wouldn't have a problem with the hire uh, because he is a guy who uh, has been around the program a while. He's helped that defensive line in the past. He's helped uh, coach plenty of uh, players at the high school level as well. So there's some experience, but just isn't at the power five level um, as a position coach. So I'll say I'll go Dion. My gut is telling me it's going to be Dion Barnes, but the longer we go, if, if we don't have a decision by the end of the week, I think it, it's someone else. But if there's a decision this week, I would put Barnes as the betting favorite, if that makes sense. Fair enough. I mean, the only other name that we, we didn't really talk about that I think would be the home, another home, uh, maybe not home run hire, but it's chaos. Yeah. Like Sean Spencer from Florida would be, would be great. I've heard him his back. name pop up here and there, but, uh, I, I think the money is a big factor there. Uh, how much money uh, would it take for him to come back to Happy Valley if they want him back in Happy Valley? Uh, he was obviously productive as a defensive line coach when it comes to on the field. His recruiting was up and down a bit. But the guy has a, tr- a positive track record overall. Uh, it may not be the biggest uh, hire for the fan base, but I, I think it, it would be a probably safe hire. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now we're, we're supposed to have a special guest later tonight. Um, it's probably going to be combined on this pod, but I don't want to reel too much because I hate revealing guests because they sometimes back out, sometimes they confirm, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but with that being said, that's all That's all we really got for this one. Um, Dylan, any no, final I think thoughts? we covered pretty much everything we could cover in this one. Uh, and uh, yeah, the second half of this podcast should be a really good one. All right, guys, that's uh, that's it for me and Dylan for the Penn State 365 podcast. Give us a like, a review, five stars on, on any podcasting network that you're listening on, and check us out at pennstate.rivals.com. And uh, tune in next time.